Welcome back to the Zero Hour Part 2 of the Kevin O'Connor interview. Guess what his big, hairy, audacious goal was? Was it to be broken up by the U.S. Justice Department? I think he almost accomplished or accomplished that. Check it out here. Part 2, KO. This is the Zero Hour Podcast. Guess who this is? It's your co-host. It's Mark Pierce. And this is Christine Chapman, your host. I'm a computer programmer, Dwight's computer programmer. I wasn't programming it anymore at that point. All right. So what so do you do? My job was to go figure out what the hell advertising is and direct marketing. I realized that, oh, this is a combination of direct marketing and advertising. So I picked up two books, two textbooks. Nash's book on direct response, and the other one I can't remember, Professor out of Vanderbilt on, on um, uh, advertising. And so learn the theory. You picked the up a book, paper, to read about yeah. online advertising. Do you see, yeah. do you see the similarities so there? Yes. Well, so I learned, learned the theory behind them. And the exciting part was like in advertising, there was, you know, look, direct response was very statistically, you know, it was very... Dead oriented. So, yeah. So I was able, that was easy. And I was like, okay, this is great. The advertising part, because it was disconnected media, media was um, very theoretical, you know, reach and frequency and things like that. Yep. Uh, target audience. It was all very crude. Uh, in fact, to the point where a lot of people just kind of forgot it because you really couldn't do it. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, holy crap, we can do this. We can, we can control frequency. We can control reach exactly. Wow. Um, and so I got very excited about that. So this is the Eureka moment. Um, is this a, I mean, listen, Kev, I, uh, again, you like the familiarity? Kev? <laughs> you like that, right? All right. Kev. Um, Who call me KO? KOC, right? I'll... No, no, KO, just KO. KO. All right, KO. Um, so... You run upstairs screaming, I'm projecting, right? You run upstairs going, holy shit, like, like we, we got it. Um, how long did it take from the idea to the implementation, right? Like, what were your, what did the next six months or, or year look like? Like, right. you, dude, you got it. You got your big problem. We can solve it, well, right? So... So we immediately, as I as I learned stuff, I would say, okay, Dwight, uh, this you know, this I would sort of design it. And Dwight is he is absolutely one of the best engineers in the world. I mean, he, he is just so phenomenal. So within a month, we had we had working systems. Wow. Um, so this is September. So end of September, probably. So October, November. Ninety-five. In December. This is ninety-five. Yeah. Yep. And we actually had a. This is, it was kind of a long story, but the original company was called, a terrible name, my second name, Internet Advertising Federation. What? Um, <laughs> the IIF. At the, time, <laughs> at the time, this is a little known story, by the way. It's a, it's a little scummy. There is a, a thing in the browser that for anonymous FTP transfer, you remember that, called transfer mm -hmm. protocol. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. Yes, I remember Anonymous, that. you would... You would give your it would the browser would give your email address as the login, and so we were 
collecting email addresses from like Usenet and, and uh, using this technique. Okay. We had all these email addresses. <laughs> but back then, I mean, so we, we created this white pages for email addresses where people could come in. And a lot of people came in and like, you know, hey, if you want to reach me, this is my email, believe it or not. <laughs> so anyway, she called it Internet Address Finder. So we use technology. We start delivering an ad probably in October, November. Wow. Um, and I remember I was down there late at night one time. And, you know, people are coming to the website and the cash register was ringing. And I'm like, this is so cool. You don't have to do anything. The cash register is ringing at like 2 o'clock in the morning. This is, this is cool. So That is so cool. I saw that. In a, we developed saw, this stuff. Oh, my God. And then December, I'm going to the library because none of this stuff's online. I go to the library every week to look at uh, Ad Age and Ad Week to see if anyone else Picked is you doing up. this. Yeah, sure. To see if anyone's come up with this idea. And, and I don't see anything. And then one day I find Dave Carlick doing a story. It was from Poppy Tyson. Yeah. And he described the exact same strategy, which was technology and, and a network. And, and, um, Did your heart sink? They had a group called DoubleClick that represented Netscape and Excite. They're the number one media sales group. And I came back to Dwight. I'm like, well, fuck, this is, it's over. You know, this big company's got, got these sites and they got the technology. So I'm like, I'm going to give Carlick a call. See what he says. Maybe we can salvage something out of this. I call Dave Carlick, who's a great guy. And he goes, oh, no, we don't have any technology. We were just, it was just bullshit. You know, Listen. Wow. <laughs> we were floating the idea out there to see if, see if anyone liked it. So you're so, like, hell yeah. So, yeah. So we're like, okay, let's combine the companies. Um, so I fly up there. It was it was an ice storm in Atlanta. I've, I've, wait, wait. So, so Dave is the leader of Poppy Tyson or? or he wasn't the CEO. So Poppy Tyson was owned by BJK and a whole big holding company. Okay. Dave was, I forget, he was a VP there. Okay. Um, so anyway, I fly up there and okay. we do a deal. We, we do a deal, a big merger of, of four people on each side. So eight Amazing. they yeah. have, they had the media sales. We had the technology. Uh, we had internet advertising. We changed our name to internet advertising network. Uh, they had the cool name double click. Okay. So let's, let's call it double click. And that's January. That's how it got started. That's it. And then we moved to. It was like, do we move? We didn't want to stay in Atlanta. Do we move to San Francisco, you know, Silicon Valley or New York? We looked up and I was like, like 90% of publishing and advertising is out of New York. We already know technology. We don't need that. Need yeah, that. We don't yeah. know. I don't know anything about publishing. So we moved to New York. Wow. So wait, this was f- five months after Dwight wrote wrote the script and the code and, and, and you had a working product? Was it Was it that quick? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was four months probably we had working product. That is wild. Jesus. KO. Look but at you. Yes. The four the four double click was representing Netscape and Excite and I forget who else, but they were the largest. They were selling ten million dollars um, of media a year. And none of those sites would, would use our technology. And they used your technology. But yours, like no, they wouldn't use any of our technology. They didn't. I mean, this is a, a point. You know, where you gave an ad to Netscape, and they just said, you know, give us a million bucks, and you get what you get. 
and you don't wow. get upset. Yes. And if you and if you complain, we'll give it to the, your competitor. Wow. So they're total, total jerks. So you're now faced with these guys don't like they don't want the tech. So listen, man, we we, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that have these moments of banging your head against a wall. Like, like, why don't they see it the way we see it? And keeping the faith, right? So, Kevin, you're, you're a resourceful guy. What you, did you do? Yeah. I said we would keep, keep them as a customer for a little while. I fired one customer or just stopped bidding. They wanted to sell. I said no. Uh, kept them going, trying to, trying to convince them. But on the side, we started developing the network. Mm-hmm. The double click network. So there's plenty of sites out there mm-hmm. that didn't have a sales team or any technology, and we started um, start pitching them and put together a schlocky little little media network. And pretty soon, you know, we were the biggest sort of media property. You, know, you remember how the double click network was a sort of a virtual site. I mean, it was it was a monster of a site, bigger than anything else out there. Wow. So we could. We could deliver the, the reach and the frequency and target audience that people wanted to hit. We had some schlocky sites back then. Happy Puppy. I still remember Robert Kader. Happy, happy Puppy wants us to represent them. Like, what the <laughs> hell is Happy Puppy? You're like, what the hell is that? You're like, all right, bring them on. Like a weird fluffy site or something? What is this? <laughs> it's, listen, you, you know, I think for, for young entrepreneurs to hear that, like, you have to start someplace right and you have to build kind of equity equity in your your brand and your ideas and yourself uh so happy puppy saw this as an opportunity first and then you guys capitalized on it well none of those guys those sites people are putting out content they didn't know how to sell they didn't know what to do they could produce content but they didn't know what to do so because we had the the most experienced people from DoubleClick selling media who had been selling it for you know over a year, and we had the technology. It was they were happy to do a to, to let us represent them, and we had all the relationships. And the nice thing about representing uh, Netscape and Excite, uh, those are two big names. And sure, agencies agencies wanted to talk to you, and the rest so is history. Say, well, actually, most agencies didn't want to talk to you because. The internet wasn't that big, but so how how do um how does one so listen, I joined the company in ninety seven. I uh I sent in a resume via a fax machine. <laughs> right. I was living on the uh upper west side, no, just out of Hell's Kitchen actually. Sent in my C V on on a fax machine and spoke to AJ, right, and was in. And have been like addicted to innovation in media and growth, you know, since 97. How does a company like Kevin, how, how do you, how do you, how do you build hype? Like, how do you build like the internet wasn't even a thing yet. Right. But here you are with, with this, you know, with this idea, and how do you bring people to it? Like, you need a couple of really influential, you know, figures, right, to adopt or adapt your your tech and your vision, um, and then they help you spread the gospel, right? So, 
did you have an idea of who you guys wanted to tap into? Was it investors? Was it personal connections that could help you guys kind of sell your vision? Well, the first six months was, was let's say, in mid-96. It was pretty sort of rough. Um, when we talked to investors, I remember one guy asked what a search engine was, you know, at a, at a Wow. Greylock, one of the top top um, yeah. top firms, but it was getting to the point where the internet was starting to become really hot, mm-hmm. um, and, and a a ton of money was was flowing into the internet from venture capital. Um, so a lot of companies, actually, I got a good story about uh, Mike Bloomberg. So a, a lot of companies were at that point, they're like, oh, holy crap, we got to figure this thing out. Like we. We need a strategy here. Uh, so people wanted to have conversations. Um, I was pitching Bloomberg. This is still probably early, mm-hmm. early I don't know, mid-96. And uh, the people there was like, oh, no, no, Mike, Mike, he just doesn't, he just doesn't believe in the internet. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And they're looking at it and say, will you talk to Mike? And I don't know anything. I don't know anything about New York. I don't know who Mike, Mike Bloomberg is. <laughs> so I, I sit down with Mike Bloomberg. And I'm like, you know, Mike, everyone's going to be using the internet. This thing's going to be big. He looks at me, just total dead face, and he says, I'm a fucking mogul. I don't use the internet. Oh, and I shit. start laughing. I start laughing because who uses the word mogul? You know, <laughs> in a sentence. <laughs> the same person uses the word giddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm laughing. I think he's just joking. It's like, just dead, dead face. Oh, my God. He goes, I don't use the internet. So, Getting, getting sort of big media companies um, convinced took a long time, but there was a ton of money going in from venture capital. Then companies start going public, and wow. there was money flowing. You remember Greg Kerner? Yes. Uh, he walked into my office one day, and he goes, he's got the shock list. And I'm like, what's, what's the matter, Greg? Some, somebody died? He's like, somebody called me from an ad agency and wants to talk to me. Because I've never had this happen ah, ah. in media sales. No one's ever called me. <laughs> our, our phones would ring off the hook, and we would have to, not to sound douchey, but like time is our most valuable commodity, right? We would have to pick and choose who, who we're going to spend time with. Who you could talk to. Wow. Wow. Those were the heydays of like the internet, the interweb, as, as, as we used to say. So, I still say that. We still so, say that? So, Kevin, we could have, like, multiple episodes. Like, we're, I'm, I'm just looking at the clock right now going, oh, my God. Like, I feel like we haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg at this point in time. Hit it. Hit the tip. I don't know if you want to speak to – I don't know if you want to speak to – the zero hour later on in your career or whether you might want to speak to the next the next big technological wave and how you feel about it i.e ai yeah i can i can talk about ai i mean our last company was um it's too long a story but the ultimate pivot um where we had built the world's largest knowledge graph or by alexa Amazon Alexa to answer all the questions. Yeah, we had amassed so much data, so we were we were kind of early, you know, kind of early in the sort of the 
you know, AI is a pretty broad term, but the way I kind of define a lot of AI is that, or where the industry is moving is that for, I don't know, 40 years we've been teaching people how to talk to computers. And now we're making computers understand uh, humans. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and I think that's kind of the fundamental difference is there, the computers are coming to, on, on our terms, not, not the other way around. And so, you know, AI is, is obviously made great leaps and bounds. You know, it was, it's been talked about for 50 years. Yeah. Um, everyone thought it was going to change the world back then. And then it became embarrassing to have AI on your resume. Um, but I, I think it was really sort of the, the natural language processing like we did at, at Alexa or you find it Siri or Google. Yep. Kind of turned people on to, um, gee, this is, this is really interesting. But it really didn't go much beyond that. Like we could answer, you know, what time is it or, you know, who won the game last night? Sure. But couldn't carry on conversations. And even ChatGPT, the first few, few, um, tries at it, you know, it always kind of, you know, eh, wasn't that interesting. Uh, and it really, I, I don't think it was until ChatGPT 4 came out that it was like, okay, this is, this stuff's real. Yeah. Um, and so we're seeing this this type of technology, you know, the deep learning being applied to, you know, a bunch of different industries, and it's going to have a big impact. I mean, it's not it's pretty obvious. It's going to have a huge impact. I'm, I don't I don't know about all these doomsayers. I mean, mm-hmm. every new technology, every new technology is you know, going to blah blah blah, yeah. blah you know, luddites, uh, and I'm much more. You know, it's going to be a new technology it has a huge impact. We don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to increase productivity. Yeah. Yeah. If you increase productivity, you create value. That'd be valuable. Kevin, um, you've been in this industry for a long time, right? You've been inventing stuff, even as a, as a young lad. Um, you've had an, an amazing career, right, as a, as a leader and a, and a co-founder. Um, what continues to be your why? And when I say your why is, what continues to motivate you right is it and i think it might be i think i might know what it is um but like why do you continue to invest and do things and is that is that just a way to keep kevin busy um but what you know what's the why what continues to motivate you yeah we you know we i get i get asked that question a lot you know like why did you start traffic, you know, and, and, and why are you doing a, a fund? So Scott Venture Capital is what we're doing mm-hmm. now. Uh, Ray did that about two years ago. Um, Scalable opportunities, know, look, I, right, yeah. So, I mean, look, everyone dreams in life to, you know, if, if you're good at something and you love it, you know, it's, it's a godsend. So yeah. I love what I do. I'm, I'm uh I'm a really curious person. I, uh, I love across a lot of different fields. You know, I want to understand economics. I want to understand politics. I want to understand, you know, I'm kind of an engineer at heart. I just want to understand how things work and why and how do you solve problems. And I think we're, you know, it's a, the secret to life is creating value in everything you do. And, Absolutely. And if you can increase, you know, if you come into a situation, whether it's a marriage or a family or a business, job are you creating value or are you detracting are you destroying value so i like to think of you know 
new companies is like, how do you, if you could solve a problem, you could solve it better than anyone else. You increase productivity and you create value in life. And they're just, just really, I don't know, it's what drives me. I like, love it. That's, That's awesome, amazing. Man. Thank you. Thank you. I have I have a question that I usually don't ask, but that I'm curious about just because I wonder about somebody like yourself who is constantly looking to create value and constantly looking for the next big problem to solve. What are you reading? Like, what is on your bedside table? <laughs> what am I reading right now? I'm reading, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, you know, the problem we, you get with... Um, the Kindle, you never actually see titles. Uh, but it's the, coddling of the, the coddling of the American mind is uh, Jonathan Haidt, who I love. Um, the coddling of the he, American mind. Okay. He wrote a great book on righteous mind. Um, so I tend not to read actually that much. I read throughout the day about, and I'm talking to companies all the time. Sure. Like that. So, so I tend to read more either fiction or, or stuff like that, stuff mm-hmm. that's dealing with, I don't know, psychology or, you know, biographies, but cool. coddling the American mind is basically why are we in this woke? Why, why is why is this country so woke, and why are colleges college students so weak? Mm. And it's because it's because we've coddled people. Yes. So. On that vein, as a parent yourself, and understanding and sort of imagining and and soaking in what you are soaking in in terms of the stuff that you read um advice to parents of young people of this generation i you know i have a i have a rising senior uh mark has a rising junior Uh, i have a middle schooler going into eighth grade and he's got a a soon-to-be freshman what would you what would you say to us as parents of a generation that is coddled what advice would you give stop coddling uh. I, was, I was probably I was probably a little too lazy fair. Um, I mean, I was a latchkey kid myself. My mom worked, and yep. So I I tended to let the kids get in a little bit of trouble, you know, not 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 try to hover. Yeah. Um, I think people have to find a sort of own intrinsic motivation. Yep. Um, I gave kids a lot of choice. I said, look, you you have to play a sport every season. Pick pick whatever you want. I don't I don't really care. But I don't you care play what one. it is. So, I would tend to set, you know, things like that, and and try to try to and try to find an intrinsic motivation. So, you know, if they did do something wrong, um, uh, to try to help them understand, like, you know, why, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like why you should feel bad about it, as opposed to some sort of punishment that just I don't know crushes their spirit. More, I, I more about, them, yeah, yeah, I let them. I gave I gave them free reign on a lot of stuff. You know, they I would take them. You know, health skiing when they're when they're young, you know, yep. risk or let them have parties, controlled parties at the house. And... I'd like to have a controlled party at your house. <laughs> <laughs> when sometimes they didn't know about it. Sometimes I'd wake up. I'm like, I hear North like, I'm still like, what the hell? What the hell's, what the hell's <laughs> going on here? Get out of here! Or I get a call. Yeah, well, I won't go too. But uh, I don't know. I just no. That's great advice. You gotta let kids grow up. Yeah. So, um, Kevin, we're uh, we're almost at the top of the hour, um, and this has been uh, this has been great. It's been, and we're so mindful of your time yeah. and and how generous you've been with it. Um, is is there last question, and then I'll wrap it up. Is there a favorite piece of advice, 
movie quote you would give to entrepreneurs? Come on, I mean, I always, Kevin. I say, Come on, man. I would always tell people the only rule we have is the pool is never closed, um, which is, you know, basically sometimes you got to, you got to do things differently. All right. Sometimes like you got to, you got to be a little bit, you know, I, I, I admire people like, like a Travis at, at Uber where he just, sometimes he pushed, he pushed things pretty, pretty damn hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to, to train, to change an industry. So, Mm-hmm. You got to be honest and, and everything else. But All right. All right. The pool is never closed, meaning it, and that just comes back to one time I remember we were in a hotel and it said the pool is closed. We were drunk. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> so, it's open now. Break, break in. You open the door and you're like, it's open now. Right, right on. Kevin, uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, sir. I'll give you one more. I'll give okay. One more okay. Yes. Be, entrepreneurs, be self aware. Thank you. Be That's self-aware. actually very, very good advice. Yeah, yeah. you know, I uh, tend to know. Yeah, I think people don't actually. I think people need to become more self-aware. Absolutely. Right. You have to be. You, you can't. Hubris is dangerous. You got to know when you're wrong, and when you're wrong, celebrate it. We learn from our mistakes, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Thank you, Kevin. Ko. All right, later, guys. It was great. Fun. All right. Everyone, that was uh, Kevin O'Connor, pioneer, leader. Icon, Icon. legend. All around uh, good person as well. KO, we appreciate your time. We'll be in touch. Thank you, sir. Later, guys. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Well, this was the Zero Hour with living legend Kevin O'Connor. He is uh, quite an inspiration, right? He is. Like, He's tremendous. He is the guy. So we found out Dwight started DoubleClick, right? <laughs> right? We, Dwight, it was Dwight's idea. Kevin ran with it. Well, it was their idea, and Dwight tweaked it. And they had it up and running in five months. Amazing. All right. Amazing story. All right, y'all. So you know what time it is, right? It's time to say goodbye. From the Zero Hour. I'm Mark Fierce, your co-host. And I'm Christine Chapman, your host. See ya. See ya.